Wow, Carl Brock, you've done it again. The Gut Healing Summit is here, featuring 16 leading experts sharing groundbreaking information on the gut and microbiome. Experts including Dr. Perlmutter, Pete Evans, and a range of your favorite wellness couch hosts, including Damien Christoph, Cindy Amira, and Joe Witten. Recorded in beautiful, high-quality HD video interviews, Kale and his expert guests distill the microbiome research into an actionable, comprehensive message for you to improve your health and well-being today. Go to www.thewellness.com couch.com forward slash gut health and you will get free access to the wellness summit home study package just for signing up are you ready to bust out of the rut you're in do you want to take your life to a whole nother level you aren't going to make significant change by doing what you've always done you need a breakthrough a circuit breaker I've had some pretty big challenges and some pretty big breakthroughs in my life over the last few years, and I've found that the best way to break through, the best way to elevate my life is to challenge myself, to do something a bit scary, whether it be running an ultramarathon, jumping out of a plane, or speaking on stage to a thousand people. Every time I take on a challenge, I grow, and I grow not just in one area, but in every area of my life. And I didn't just jump out of the plane by myself, I jumped in tandem with an expert, someone who'd done it thousands of times before, someone who knew how to prepare and who knew how to execute. If you're ready to transform, if you're ready for exponential growth in your life, then head to www.drbretthill.com and check out Kokoda Elevation. It might be just the challenge you're looking for. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Sit back, light the fire, kick your shoes off, because it's time for That Paleo Show with your favorite caveman, Brett Hill. Welcome to That Paleo Show, making the paleo lifestyle easy and accessible for everyone. I'm Brett Hill, and this week I'm joined by Danny Dreyer. I'm very excited to be sharing this with you. You would have heard me talk about this man many times on our podcast show before, but Danny is the co-founder of Chi Running and Chi Walking. They're revolutionary forms of moving that blend Tai Chi with running and walking. His work is based on the study of Tai Chi, an internationally, an internationally renowned master George Zhu with 35 years of experience running, racing ultramarathons and coaching people in intelligent movement. Um, he's written numerous books including Chi Running, Chi Walking, Chi Marathon. Um, he now travels teaching people how to do these uh, running techniques as well. Welcome to the show, Danny Dreyer. Nice to be here, Brett. Uh, it's a very exciting interview for me, Danny, because you are someone who I have, as I said to you, I've followed you for over 10 years now, <laughs> I think, since I first got your book. And uh, I've talked about you numerous times in my books and podcasts and things and, and sent many people towards your stuff um, because I love what you do. You have a great way of explaining things and a very common sense approach that you take towards running. So tell us, Danny, tell us a bit about your background. How did you end up interested in Tai Chi and, and how did you end up applying that to running and walking? Well, it's interesting. I, you know, I think I actually, I started off with a running career first. You know, I'd been a, um, actually it's interesting because I started off as an ultra marathoner. I didn't start off with 5Ks and 10Ks. <laughs> I just decided at one point in my life that, you know, I want, I wanted to be uh, competitive. I want to be a competitive runner. I might've been a midlife crisis or something, but I, I, it was when I was about, oh gosh, I think I was about in my 40s, my early 40s. And I said, well, you know, I've been running for quite a few years now. I wonder how fast I'd have to run to be competitive in my age group 
you know, nationwide. This is in the States. And so I started looking at uh, comp- the racing and uh, what the records were. And, and I said, well, I don't know. A marathon, forget about it. I'd have to run like a two and a half hour marathon at age 40 <laughs> or something. And there's no way that was going to happen. So I kept going up in distance. As I went up in distance, of course, the times, the average speed slowed down. And so uh, I kept going up. So I went up to uh, uh, 50K and that, forget about it. That was still too fast. And so I went to 50 miles. Yeah. And it was an eight minute pace. You know, if I could run an eight minute pace for 50 miles, I would be competitive on a national level. <laughs> easy is that? And I said, that's easy. I said, well, I can run 10 <laughs> of those right now, <laughs> you know? And so I could run it 10, eight minute miles. So I started training and every time I added a mile to my program, um, I added an eight minute mile to my program. <laughs> and so, uh, it took me three and a half years. And, uh, and then I, that's when I ran my first 50 miler, my first race was a 50 miler. I ran it. And so I was able to run my first 50 mile race in just a little under six and a half hours. And, uh, so, uh, it was wow. very successful. Yeah. yeah. No, you're kidding. And that, I, that's an incredible first race. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was young and silly. <laughs> and, and so this was before you'd learned about uh, Tai Chi and Chi running. So yeah. what, what was your experience? Like, what was your technique like? And, and how did your body pull up in terms of injuries and all those sort of things? Well, you know, one thing I noticed is that um, one thing would inevitably happen. I would get up to about 30 miles in my training runs and my knees would start to hurt. And I would have to just back off and go slower or walk a little bit or whatever. And then um, at one point in my racing career, I started noticing that, that you know, I'd be in a 50-mile race and at mile 35, there'd be some guy that would blow by me like he just stepped on the course. And I'm going, <laughs> God, how does he – how do these guys do that? And so I started – I've always been fascinated by the human body and I like to study how people move. And, um, so I would watch these guys every time somebody passed me, I go, what's he doing that I'm not. And every single one of them without fail was always leaning forward. Mm-hmm. And so I started trying experimenting with it. So I got into leaning forward and, and, uh, it did help my times. It helped my ease of motion. And then, um, a few years into doing that, a friend of mine, I was living in Boulder, Colorado at the time, a mountain area. And uh, he said, you know, this, this Chinese guy just moved to town. He's from China and he's teaching Tai Chi classes. You should check it out. I really like the guy. And so I went uh, to this class and I'm half Chinese. So I've always been kind of fascinated by Chinese culture. So I said, sure. I've always wanted to learn Tai Chi. Let me check it out and see what it's like. I went to this class and the first night that I went there, the guy already had a class of like you know 35 people and he'd been their ongoing students and so he pulled me aside and said okay i'll start you off like i do everybody i'm going to start you off with posture just how to stand and so he showed me the posture stance he says okay just hang out with that i'll be back in about 20 minutes and the class was an hour and a half (laughs) long right and so for the first three weeks of that class i stood there (laughs) <laughs> for an hour and a half, twice a week for three weeks. And I'm going, you know what? I'm spending good money on this. What the hell am I doing here? And uh, But one thing I did was right after that first class, I started applying some of these alignment, postural alignment techniques to my running. 
and I got my posture right. And then when I added that posture to this lean that I'd been kind of playing around with, all of a sudden I went on a run one day and I came back. It, this was after like a five-mile run. And I looked at my watch and I, I had run the same course over and over and over again. I knew every pothole in it. And, uh, and all of a sudden I had averaged like 30 seconds a mile faster every single mile. And I felt like I hadn't even gone for a run. Yeah, and so I said, "Oh my God, there, there's really something to this." And so I really started applying myself and and playing around with it a lot. And the more I goofed around with it, the the better it got. I mean, and then I would I would go run an ultra, and I there would be no recovery time after an ultra, and that's almost unheard of in most people's books, you know. That, that is pretty and, unheard of, Danny. <laughs> yeah, and so. Uh, so then I moved away from Boulder and I moved to San Francisco and that's where this whole chi running thing started. And so what I did was I, of course, moved away from my Tai Chi teacher. So I was searching for a Tai Chi teacher. And so I was living in San Francisco. And so every day I would go on my runs and I would go through Golden Gate Park. And so I was looking at Golden Gate. I don't know if you've ever been there, but it's on every street corner. There's a Tai Chi teacher. <laughs> you know, they're, they're everywhere. And because uh, it's got such a huge Chinese population there. And so I would always see these huge classes. And um, but in that mix, every time I'd go through the park, I'd always pass this guy who was always only teaching one person. And uh, it looked like he was really taking his time and it looked like he knew what he was doing. So after a while of watching this guy, I went up and asked him, I said, well, you know, I want to learn. I don't necessarily care if I learn Tai Chi per se, but I want to learn how I can apply Tai Chi to my running because I'd kind of gotten turned on to it already. Yeah. And his he lit up. I mean, the guy said, oh, my God, I've been waiting for somebody to ask me this because I know that you can apply the principles of Tai Chi to any sport. Yeah. And I said, well, hey, you want to collaborate with me? You know, you I'll be your guinea pig. You can show me what to do. And I'm the runner and you're the Tai Chi guy. Let's let's do this. And he said, okay. And uh, that started the kind of the partnership. He was—he's a grandmaster now. He's—he's he's from China and he's the real deal. Uh, an incredible Tai Chi practitioner, a really good teacher. So he worked with me. I mean, we worked together for probably nine years, and then I um, left San Francisco, and I've been in touch with him. But he gave me a really, really good base in how to how to transfer all the inner principles of Tai Chi to running, and it and it makes so much absolute logical sense it absolutely does danny and and i felt exactly the same way as a chiropractor you know we spend so much time talking to people about the importance of their spine and the importance of their posture and and about how that can help you improve your performance and 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 for whatever reason i'd never really applied it to running you know and so when i started coming across you know i I first did a workshop run by a chiropractor and and shortly after that i bought your book um subsequently bought both of you know the the chi running and the chi walking and then i bought your dvd and and i just sort of oh, consumed good. all of the stuff you had and because <laughs> it just made so much sense you know I, I kind of felt like a bit yeah. of an idiot to be honest like i sort of looked at it and went why didn't i think of this before you know and it's, and it's i had logical this, beyond belief if yeah. you study the body at all it just makes exactly. total sense and, and nobody ever has talked about it i, yeah. I had the same experience i mean I, I can distinctly remember the first thing i did was i threw out well, I, did, I threw out my old my new runners that i had i'd literally just bought a brand new pair of top of the line <laughs> runners with you know big padded heels and arch supports and all those sort of things oh and, god yeah and so i threw them out and i went and bought what in australia is called a pair of dunlop volleys which are like just this kind of cheap <laughs> 
basic runners that have no sort of real elevation, no real support. They're just kind of flexible. Sure. And I went for a run in those. And at the time, I was running through the Adelaide Hills and I kind of had a loop I was doing around home. And I wasn't particularly trying to sort of go as fast as I could, but I'd sort of generally get around that loop in about an hour. And yeah. it was quite hilly. And I can distinctly remember the first time I went out, I thought to myself, well, I've got these new shoes on. You know, I'm not wearing my orthotics, which I've been wearing for 17 years. I, I better be careful oh, here. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'll just go nice and slow. And so, I'm thinking to myself that I was running slow. I got home about five to ten minutes quicker than I'd ever done it before. <laughs> and it wasn't until I got home and checked my watch that I realized it had happened. And, and yeah, then all of a sudden, yeah. I was, you know, I was going on my run and I was getting home and I was playing around in the garden and I was doing gut and I, I didn't feel like I'd actually done anything. I didn't feel like I'd exercised enough because it was so exactly. much easier. Yeah. And so, yeah. I, I've often said to many people, Danny, that I blame you for me doing an ultra marathon <laughs> because it, it was that feeling that I kind of hadn't done enough that made me think, well, maybe I just need to run more. <laughs> and so, yeah. And yeah. so, I just started running further because it just seemed too easy to be doing the same old runs I've been doing before. So, yeah, definitely, exactly. uh, it, it definitely works, Danny, and it makes so much sense. Yeah. And, and, you know, for those who don't know, I can explain briefly, you know, the, the physics behind it and That'd kind of the nature of how why it works the well, way it does. And, and people who've listened to this show before will have heard me explain it, Danny, but I know that you're going to yeah. do a way better job than me, so I'd love to hear it right <laughs> from, the, from the source would be great. Well, if you think about it, you know, for one thing, how Tai Chi is done as a martial art is um, you move from your center. You always move from your center. That's the first place that moves and the rest of your body follows. Okay, so you don't you don't jump with your legs. You move your center and your legs move along with it. And uh, you don't punch with your arm. You move your center and your arm becomes, you know, tied to the end of this big force that's in the center of your body. And so just if you look at the way the human body is designed, all the larger muscles are towards the center of the body. And as you get further more distal away from the center of your body, the parts of your body get smaller and smaller. Well, if you look at it, all the main running injuries happen generally from the knees down, mm. right? You get runner's knee, you get shin yeah. splints, calf pulls, cleese tendon problems, you get uh, plantar fasciitis, heel spurs, metatarsal stress fractures. All of that stuff is happens from the knees on down. Why? It's because people are using the smallest part of their body to really do a big job. And so what Tai Chi does is it puts all the work in the center, central part of your body where all the big muscles are, the big structural parts are, and you move from there and let the little tiny parts do the little tiny work. And so all of a sudden, you know, everything changes. And uh, and for propulsion, you don't push with your legs. So that, that's, that's what... That's where all the running injuries come from yeah. is people overusing their legs. And so if you really adapt, uh, you know, a slight forward lean, which is, you know, brought about by the fact that you're actually letting your letting your center, your Dantian, they call it in Tai Chi, letting your center go first. So the midsection of your body is always ahead of your feet. Your feet aren't reaching out in front of you like most people run. Yeah. So if you reach out in front of you, you have to push with your rear leg to reach with your front leg. <laughs> so you got one foot on the gas because you're pushing. You got your other foot that's landing out in front of you that's putting on the brakes at the same time. You know, every time you land out in front of your body, you're meeting that oncoming force of the road. And uh, it's hammering your legs. And so that's one leg is doing overuse and one leg is doing impact. And those are the two 
uh, causes of injuries to runners. Yeah. And how most people run is that's what they do, one or the other, or both. Yeah, yeah. I often say it's kind of like Fred Flintstone. You know, you got the feet out in front, and it's literally yeah. just putting yeah. the brake on, isn't it? All the time, the whole way. And so the whole idea is that, you know, everything above your center goes forward. Yeah. And it falls forward, and it really um, uh, cooperates with the pull of gravity. You know, if you ever notice that when you tip yeah. over, you know, you, gravity pulls you. And everything below your center actually cooperates with that oncoming force of the road by your legs swinging rearward, you know, not yeah. swinging forward. Yeah. Your legs meet the ground and immediately swing rearward. And so, you know, your upper body goes forward, your lower body goes rearward, and everything's in balance. That's the way it should be, you know. And, you know, Danny, when I first – I was going to say heard you say it, but I read you say it, um, that, 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 you know, you don't run with your legs. I remember thinking, no. that's crazy. Like, that sounds preposterous. <laughs> like, how can you run without yeah. using your legs? And I'm sure many people listening in are kind of thinking the same thing. But oh, yeah. I, I know now yeah. from having done it, and, and when I teach people how to do this, I teach them that yeah. you know, what, what you look for is just that ease, you know, that, that it's actually yeah. when you get it right, it feels almost effortless, like you could just keep doing it forever. Yeah. Um, so how do, how do you get around that with people? Because I find even teaching people often, they, they, have a tr- they have trouble getting their head around the idea of not wanting to propel themselves forward with their legs. Yeah, so the whole, uh, the biggest part of when I teach somebody is really, I start off everybody with, uh, in, you know, getting good posture. Okay, so that means that your core is engaged to hold your posture in a nice straight column that supports your body during the support phase of your stride. So every time you take a a stride, you land on your foot beneath you, but then your whole body is supported by this nice aligned postural alignment. Okay, what pulls you forward is the pull of gravity because you're falling forward. So gravity is a gravity-assisted running, right? So you don't have to push with your legs, but you do have to support with your legs. Okay, so if you align your posture, then your leg muscles don't the – only, the only work your legs have to do is to momentarily support your weight during the support phase. What's really making you go forward is not because you're pushing with your legs. It's because you're falling with your body. And so you're just picking up your legs to keep up with your forward fall. And so that's, that's why it's so much easier. I mean, if anybody out in your listening audience, I would have them all stand up right now <laughs> and do one of two things. So I want you to start off by just running in place. So if you're standing up and you're running in place, I want you to feel how much work that is because you're pushing off with your toes and you're lifting your whole body up against the pull of gravity. It's a lot of work. And if I told you, okay, I want you to run in place for three hours, you know, you you'd have my head <laughs> or you'd, you'd come down with a major case of shin splints. Okay. So on the other hand, if you stand in place, if you just pick up your feet, just pick up your feet off the ground, you know, just like you're about to start walking, just pick your feet up. Um, it's much, much less work. You know, picking up your feet is using your large group yeah. of muscles, your core muscles to lift your foot basically a very small piece it's like a big big engine doing a little job the other way around it's this the smaller your calves and lower leg pushing your whole weight of your body up into the air that's it just doesn't make any sense in physics and so if you can get gravity which is a huge force to pull you forward because you're falling into it then all you're left with doing is just picking up your feet that's easy 
you know. So then balancing yourself in this nice forward fall where you pick up your feet and you're done deal, you know. You can, and so, you can go for a long time. What about shoes, Danny? I mean, there's a lot of people who have different ideas around what we need to have in terms of footwear, whether it's really structured shoes with arch supports and all yeah. those sort of things, or, you know, there's more recently yeah. that real move towards the barefoot shoes and the minimalist shoes. What do you use and what do you usually recommend for people? Well, um, you know, the, the whole thing around shoes, in fact, the whole running industry is really run by the shoe companies. Mm. And so the, it's really all marketing. You know, the, the shoes, um, the best shoe for anybody is, now listen carefully because I have the definition down, <laughs> the least amount of shoe that you need on your foot to move yourself along the ground with the least amount of injury, okay, the least amount of impact. So if your running technique is not very good and you're pretty uh, hard on your, you know, you land pretty hard or anything like that, you might need a cushioned shoe. But if you can run in a way where you're not hitting the ground very hard, you're not pushing off very hard, you're soft along the ground, you don't need much of a shoe at all. And like for barefoot runners, um, you know, they don't need any shoe at all. But, you know, the wintertime, you do need a shoe. So it helps to have some kind of shoe. But, you know, the shoes nowadays swing the spectrum between complete, you know, Vibram barefoot shoes, you know, and sandals even to uh, the Hoka's, which are extremely thick shoes, you know, really heavily cushioned shoes. And those are... Um, so you got one end to the other. And most of the main shoe manufacturers now have some version of everything in between mm. from one end to the other. And that's they, – they love it. They love it when somebody comes out with uh, um, an idea that you should run barefoot because that just widens their um, – distribution channels you know? <laughs> so, so they'll jump on it uh whether it's good or bad or anything if it's a thick shoe they'll jump on it they'll sell it and they'll push it for different reasons it's all marketing and yeah. so um really the best shoe for anybody is the shoe that really allows your foot to do what your foot needs to do which is flex land um not be constrained. It needs plenty of room to, for your toes to spread. Uh, your shoe needs to bend where your foot bends. You know, it, make, it makes total sense. You know, if your foot bends in the metatarsal heads, you need a shoe that bends in the metatarsal heads. Yeah. You would be amazed. if you. I, I challenge anybody, go into your local shoe store and see how many shoes don't bend at the metatarsal heads, yeah. and you'll be blown away. Why would you buy a shoe that doesn't do what your foot naturally wants to do? It just doesn't make any sense at all. And the thicker the shoe, the less it bends. And so that's why, you know, barefoot or minimalist shoes really work best unless you don't have very good running technique. In that, in that case, you do need a little bit of cushioning until you can learn how to land a little softer. Yeah. And, and I can tell you, Danny, it, it absolutely works. Like I said, you know, I've, uh, you know, I've done running and, and I've, developed the technique using a lot of the stuff you're talking about and and i was able to run in in south australia here i ran our local uh, fun run which is a 13k fun run on on what is pretty rough bitumen roads and, and i was able to run that without any shoes at all uh without yeah. getting a single blister and and really not even really any abrasion on the base of my feet um, wow, and and when I did my ultra marathon, that was 56Ks through the hills. And I did that in uh, what are called Vivos, which are very much like Vibrams in terms of those minimalist shoes. Once again, oh, yeah, the Vivo barefoot. So yeah, yeah. Shoe. 
without getting any sort of blister at all uh, and and pulled up you know really remarkably well um, using that sort of technique so I can absolutely be a testament to the fact that it works yeah in fact we have a chi runner in India and um, this guy just last weekend ran um, a 253 marathon barefoot cool no shoes at all 253. Like that's that's smoking along, oh, you know. Yeah. That's <laughs> that's like a six and a half minute pace or six twenty. Yeah, you know, no, it's easy for him. He's really not even quick. touching the ground. He's just flying along. No, down here, you know. Uh, and the guy is skinny as a rail. He looks like a Kenyan, you know. <laughs> but uh, absolutely right, you know. If you if and now here's the here's the caveat, you know. Um, it is better if you can run in less of a shoe, but you don't want to just switch out of what you're doing now into less of a shoe because what you'll do is you'll get injured because your yeah. body is just not used to running in less of a shoe. So I always suggest that people take a, a large amount of transition time to transition into less and less of a shoe. So there are two ways to do it. One is uh, if you don't like giving up your training mileage, <laughs> you know, you can just uh, next time you buy a pair of shoes, buy a little pair of shoes that's just a little less of a shoe than the one you have now. You know, right now, if you're running in a structured shoe or something like that, then go to a like a nice midweight trainer. Uh, after that, if you improve your technique, go into a lightweight trainer. After that, you go into a racing flat. After that, you can go to a minimalist shoe. Um, or you can go straight to a minimalist shoe, but that means you have to cut your mileage way, way down. Mm. You know, you have to start, basically start almost from scratch. Yeah. Or you can do uh, the walk-run technique where you just, you know, you, you know, walk 400 meters and you run 400 meters and you walk 400 meters and you run 400 meters until your body kind of gets used to this uh, a little more at a time. And so you start off with low mileage and slowly, slowly increase yeah. Or, or you start with your mileage and reduce the amount of shoe. Either yeah, way works. I learned that the hard way preparing for that barefoot run <laughs> I spoke about, Danny. I, I ended up with a yeah, massive okay. blood blister on the sole of my foot from trying to do too yeah. much too soon. So I yep. can vouch for that one too. Um, Danny, you mentioned marathons there, and I know you've got a new book, which I actually haven't read yet, so I'm going to have to get into this one, which is your Chi Marathon book, talking about yeah. how to prepare for those sort of long-distance events. Tell us about that. Well, the Chi Marathon book came out, obviously came out of the Chi running book. But what I wanted to do is once once you learn good technique, then how do you apply it to an event? You know, whether it's a half marathon or 10K or a marathon. And so I, I really, you know, I've done 43 ultras wow. and um, I don't know, probably 15 marathons. I don't know how many half marathons at this point. But um, I when I train for a race – I started looking at like why why don't people do as well in races as they would like, especially the long ones, because endurance running is a whole different ball game. You got to have a real plan to do well at them. And so what I came up with is I always, uh, whenever I'm training anybody, I always start with technique. Just absolutely, you don't go anywhere. You don't build mileage. You don't build speed. Don't do anything until you're technique is uh, really in place. And so the Chi Marathon book is laid out in stages of training. And what it does is it shows you how to train for a longer distance event by uh, going through seven stages. And the first stage is not even running. The first stage is coming up with a vision of why in the world are you doing this race? <laughs> you know, you want to run a marathon, you better have a good reason because that's a long way to go. You know, and when you're out there on those long training miles, you want to have a, 
you know, when it gets really hard, you want to be able to refer back to something. Why in the world am I out here? You know, I'm on an 18 mile trailing run. This, this feels horrible. Why am I here? Then you go back to your original thing. Oh, that's right. Because I wanted to further myself this way or learn this or improve my endurance or whatever. Have a reason. That's the first stage. Then the second stage is then start with once you get pick your race, you know, then start with technique. And then once you get your technique together you know, for a number of weeks, only do technique. Don't worry about increasing your mileage. Then you go into the conditioning phase. So there's the visioning phase, there's the technique phase, and then the next comes the conditioning phase, which is you take that technique and you practice doing it for longer and longer periods of time. So then, you know, after a while, your technique kind of falls apart when you get tired. You just learn to keep it together for longer and longer. And then the, the fourth phase is what I call the mastery phase, which you plug in the components of the race that you're training for. So let's say you did that, you know, that race that you did that was uh, hilly, yeah. you know, around Adelaide. So what you would do is then you, you adapt your technique and your conditioning to the specific course you're going to be running. So that means you would be practicing the technique it takes to do a lot of uphills, a lot of downhills. Yeah. Uh, the technique it takes to, to – what do you do when you need to rest and still keep running? What do you need to do on the flats? Um, you know, So you, you know what technique you're going to use so that whenever the conditions change, you can adapt your running technique specifically to what you're being met with. Okay, that just makes sense. You know, why would you keep the same technique through a whole race that is constantly changing? It's inefficient, you know. And so that's the mastery phase. And then the next phase is um, taper uh, week, you know, when you just, you want to keep the same speed you're running, but you want to really cut back in your mileage. So it really allows your body to rest up for the race. Nice. And, uh, and then the next phase, the sixth phase, then, is uh, race weekend. And a big part of that phase is logistics because you want to know who's dropping you off, yeah. you know. Where's my food? Where's my food? Where's my food? <laughs> yeah. Where's my bib? Where's my food? What clothes am I going to need? What's the course like? Who's going to pick me up afterwards? All of that. You don't want to have any of that just totally up in the air and, you know, on the – on the run, try to figure it out. It's not, it's going to make a miserable time. <laughs> it makes a massive and then, difference. And then the last part, the last phase is, uh, uh, you know, the rest and recovery and moving into your next training phase. <laughs> and so it's really uh, technique based training. So it's all based in really working on your technique all the way through your training. And so it's technique based, but it's race specific. So those, that combination of those two things, by the time you pull up at that start line, you know exactly what you're going to do every step of the way. You've trained how to do it. Um, there's no surprises, and people love it. They, you know, people. I just got emailed this week by a lady who ran her first half marathon, and she said, "I had no idea running my first half marathon was going to be so much fun." She said, "I was so prepared; it was ridiculous." But the but the one thing about being prepared, this well prepared. Um, for those in your audience that are thinking about running a half or a full marathon is that if you train for it right, have your technique down, know the course, know what's going to happen, think what that does psychologically when you show up at the start line. 
You yeah. don't show up going, oh my God, this is, what have I done? This is really a long way to go, you know? <laughs> you really show up going, all right, let's rock this thing, you know? I mean, I, I know what's going to happen. Let's, <laughs> I know what I'm going to do, you know? So you, it's, it's like, it's like pu- pushing against an open door, as we say. Nice. <laughs> you know? Well, Danny, I feel like we could go on and chat about this stuff forever. I'm loving this interview. Oh, yeah. So we might have to get you back on the podcast again sometime. But uh, I'm also going to get you on my Art of Natural Running e-course, which is going to be coming out really soon. So if people cool. want to sign up for my newsletter, they'll find out all the details about that. And we'll definitely chat in some more depth about that. Uh, but in the meantime, yeah. people are going to want to find out more about you. And so uh, they can do that by going to your website, which is chirunning.com. Um, yeah. They can go to your Facebook page, which is Chi Running Chi Walk. Walking because for the, if we haven't mentioned it already, Danny also has a Chi Walking book, um, which is about oh, yeah. applying all the same principles to walking as well. Um, and then Danny also runs a running school. Uh, and so you can actually subscribe for a subscription to his running school, which will email you out lessons every week and give you tips and, and help you along the journey in, in a more structured way to take on these techniques. Um, yeah. And Danny also does chi running classes, um, so classes for the public and also instructor training for people who love to learn how to teach this to other people as well. So heaps of stuff they can find out about you at chirunning.com, Danny. Yeah, yep, absolutely. So, so head out there and check him out. Thank you so much for coming on board today, Danny. It's been an absolute pleasure. Oh, it's been fun, Brad. I'd love to come back. Beautiful. So until next week, join the conversation on Facebook. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Join our newsletter list at thatpaleoshow.com and let's help grow the paleo tribe worldwide. Join us next week on That Paleo Show. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.